0: Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast
1: Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast and it's been another eventful week in the National League The first Saturday of the new year hasn't disappointed and here to go through it with us as always is Rob Worrell Hello Rob Hiya Luke And also joining us is Chris Pratt as well, hello Chris Hello Luke We have got a special guest on the phone, he joined us last season It's Jeff Brazier. hello Jeff. What you guys, how are we? Brilliant, cheers, Jeff. Now, there's only one place to start. Now, we've seen you on TV making people's dreams come true. Salford's dreams came true yesterday. They had a great <laughs> win at Lake Norrie and Wrexham slipped up as well, and you were at that game, weren't you? Yeah I was
2: there yesterday I want to call it Brisbane Road I think that's gone out the window But it'll always be Brisbane Road to me But um, it was one of those games I mean it's never going to be title defining as such Because it's way too early for us to say Well those three points are are going to give Leighton Orient the edge Because uh, to be honest if Orient did win uh, They would have been desperate to have done so It would have given an eight point gap on on Salford And we know Wrexham have got a game in hand But it just would have been lovely for them to carry that into uh, an, an easier January period, should we say? That you know, the Christmas period must have been really difficult for all the managers in the National League, and you can see actually from the, the results that it obviously played a part in how consistent teams were churning out sort of victories. To be fair, the there are very few consistent teams over the Christmas period. Orient and Salford were definitely not one of them. It was quite just to give perspective. You know, Barrow and Dover were actually on better form heading into yesterday's fixtures than than these two teams. So, a title-defining no, but still, you know, for Salford to win, I think it gives them a, a psychological edge going into. Mm for the next round of fixtures and um you know, just to tell you a little bit about the game itself orient basically uh let piagiani sort of go free from a, from a corner for the first and and one thing that anyone who's watched Salford knows you don't let that happen uh, cuz he he you know he's very good at sort of getting on the end of them it's great deliveries from son walker and, and and there he is sort of making it 1-0 and then i think a bit of a, a bit of a an, an error from Sam Ling potentially for the second and, um, and Rory Gaffney, who always want to call Dean, and it, it really <laughs> annoys me.
3: <him. laughs> <laughs> I'm R- about R-
2: to report the goal, and I'm thinking he's not Dean. He's not Dean. He's not Dean.
3: But yeah, you do so, better than me, then uh, Jeff, because you, you do much better than me because I called him Dean Gaffney on commentary twice. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's used to it.
2: But um, yes. but look, not not that I watch Eastenders. But um, but yes, yeah, so, so, to give him the two goals. Um, sort of advantage in so early. You know, Salford just went into full defensive mode. They were very uh, disciplined and organised in doing so. Um, uh, and even in a second half where it was all orient, all the possession was theirs. They were literally going from left to right, trying to find a way to, to break through. And and they just couldn't. They just didn't have, you know, you, they, they were relying on Corona, who, who, who's been touted as, you know, the next young star to come out of the national league to go on to bigger and better things. Nothing confirmed yet, but um, you know, he had a one on one either half, um, uh, that he could have done better at I suppose, but the keeper saved well. Uh, and next thing you know, the, the the one time that Salford got out of their own area or their own half should I say, um they they win a corner and Piagiani again from <laughs> from a header. So um so yeah, Orion didn't necessarily play badly, they retained possession well but they just obviously lacked that pass really and that finish that, that was going to get them back in the game.
1: What was the atmosphere like Jeff? Because I know Graeme Alexander said afterwards he was pleased how his players dealt with the atmosphere and also how the officials dealt with the atmosphere as well. Spiky, uh,
2: you find this with any team that has a history in the Football League, um, you, you find that when things are not going particularly well they become very unsettled and disgruntled very quickly. Um, and, they, and they let that know as, as they uh, obviously have the right to do so but um, yeah there were a few refereeing decisions one was from a, a contentious decision uh, on the edge of the box, Pier after knowing that, that, that the ref had blown up for a free kick for Orion on the edge of Salford's box anyway, he kind of took a free shot if you like and went through the back of Coroma and everyone stood up, Charlie Lee then put his hands around Pier throat um, and yeah I suppose you, you could have said well Piergiani maybe I, I, I don't think I, would have, I wouldn't I would have expected him to have been sent off for that but the fact that he then ran at the Orient players um, in the process that that might have warranted it I think the Orient fans were probably hoping for a little bit more than, than two yellows for, for each team which seemed to just be a little bit of like I don't really know how to deal with this even though the, the referee and the linesman they had a little sort of Tea party in the middle of the pitch for about five minutes while I was deciding what to do. It, it was one of those, but I didn't really know what to do for the best, so they just kind of, you know, you have to, you have to. Let's just get on with the game. So, uh, but there were just, just little things where you know it looked like there was a nailed-on corner at one point for Orion, and, and right in front of their fans, um, and then the linesman sort of signals for a goal kick. You know, and you think. They've gone mad They've gone absolutely mental But there was just a few of those And it really wound them up And obviously it's frustrating When you go two down Really early on So for Orin It was meant to be When they put a real bit Of daylight and distance Between them and Salford and Wrexham But 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 obviously The, the romantic ending to that game Didn't, didn't come come true for them
1: question for you then, Jeff. I saw Salford view in Orient on the opening day of the season. You've seen them both now. Do you think the champions is gonna come out of one of those two teams, or do you think Wrexham can crash the party as well? Uh
2: I, I know better than to than to try and predict a winner at this point. It's just not that league, is it? Um Orient haven't been particularly consistent of late. So they've they've got seven points out of a potential eighteen. Salford had that amazing 20 game unbeaten run then they lost four on the bounce now they're back to back victories after beating Orient yourselves seeing Wrexham before that I'd say that the psychological edge is with is with Salford just because they look like they've overcome their blip they look like they've gone back to basics to be honest and they've they've sort of gone really disciplined and really organised in the way that they've approached the last two games plus the fact He's, he's signed Matt Green from Lincoln, and he's he's found a partnership between him and Gaffney that looks like it really works. And you've got Adam Rooney on the bench as well, and 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 Danny Lloyd, who's a fantastically yeah. creative number ten. So they they look like they're in a better place right now. Wrexham have you know, obviously had that thumping five-one uh, win against Salford that I was at just before the new year, and you think, wow, don't write. Don't don't write Wrexmouth because um you know they they look amazing at the minute. But but they've just lost two games on the spin. So I'm not gonna predict a winner. What I will say, what I do find fascinating is you've got so many teams that are literally like mounting a real surge towards those playoff places, like your Ebbs fleets for example, have, have done incredibly well of late. I can't remember how many, but I think they've, Ebsfleet and Dagenham and Dover have all got six wins out of their last 10 games. So I think, I think the, the playoff places are going to alter slightly. I think, you, you, you know, you look at the trends, didn't you? and Gateshead and Harrogate are having a real dip. So for me, your, your Orient, so your Rex and your Salfords are likely to be, likeliest to be where the winner comes from. Um, But in terms of those playoff places, again, it'll be like last season where that last round of fixtures, there'll there'll be easily 10, if not more, teams that that can slot into them with a victory on the day.
1: Yeah, Wrexham are currently in third Do have a game in hand though um, They lost to Dover mm. on Saturday Graham Barrow called it an untidy attacking performance And a bit of a reality check after the Salford game So it could be, mm. do you think they have maybe losing a bit of momentum? He said how vital this game in hand was coming up in midweek
2: Yeah, if we just look at the reality like of Where the league table sits at the minute If Wrexham win their, their game in hand Then they are a point below Orient Which is a great place for them to be you know, Wrexham fans will be kicking them. So they do so well in some in some games, and then others they they do, as Graham Barrow just referred to. It's like a, the reality check that they need. That. You've got to earn every every result in the national league, and it doesn't matter who you play. You you've literally got to grind out every result that you can get, and um, it, it puts them in 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 the mix for sure. And it just depends. Out, they've they've all got to dust themselves off over that really busy period, get themselves back fit. I think rest as much as they can, and and then sort of see how they go after the trophy fixtures.
1: And Wrexham, of course, they've signed Jason Oswell over the weekend. And Chris, he's a player you've seen a lot of at Stockport County recently. It hasn't worked out for him at Morecambe. So now he's got to try and rebuild his career a little bit at Wrexham now.
0: Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I did see him. I saw him all of last season, obviously. And he was he's a menace. He really is an absolute menace. He's, he's one of these guys, you just can't get the ball off him. Having said that, he's he's quite um, he's quite, kind of like a lumbering frame up front, and he's not going to be one of these guys who scores. He's not going to be Danny Rowe who can score twenty-five yard, thirty-yard free kicks and goals coming from the edge of the area. He'll score his goals from from he- most of his goals come from crosses, headers from crosses gets higher than higher than the defender and puts it in. I'm not surprised it didn't really work out for him at Morecambe, and I'll be really interested to see how it, he'll go on at Wrexham, because my view on him was, he's a lovely guy by the way, and my, my view on him was that um, I think he's a very good striker in the National League North, and it'll be a real test for him, I think, uh, at Wrexham. I think against the big boys in that in that division, they, they might, have centre halves that could mark him out of the game, and if he is marked out of the game, it's difficult for him. The, he hasn't really got that plan B game.
1: Interesting. Well, we know a few people from Wrexham listen, so it'll be interesting to see as well whether whether that does bear fruit and whether. Well,
0: you're... yeah, Luke, you know, do you know what? I do hope he proves the, yeah. proves me wrong on that one, and I do think he has got it in his locker to. To to step up, but I do need to, you know, I, I would need to see that. And like I say, you know, he, he's a he's a great he's a great guy as well. And I know that moving to Wrexham will be moving uh, a lot closer to home for him as well, um, because I know he, he did travel in, I think, from around about Chester, North Wales, when he was at County.
1: Yeah, so it'd be a big good move from hopefully a bit bit more settled for him. What, what Jamaica failed Jeff, they seem to take two, two steps forward and then one step back. They've had a couple of good results recently and then he went and lost at Bromley on Saturday with Danny Rowe scoring yet again. He's gone top of the scorer's charts but a bit of a blow yeah. for again.
2: Yeah, Challenger will be doing his nuts. They could feel like they should be top at, at, this, at this moment. The reason I say that is just because they have thrown in so many points from winning positions. Uh, at late stages of games recently, um, it's, you know, I don't know whether you watched Dave Challoner go mad after the Dover game uh, yeah. when when they were completely mm. in control of the game and, and somehow managed to lose it. And and it it seems to be that you're right. Their inconsistency is what will define them as as a playoff team, as opposed to being a team that that could quite easily really be be included in in the mix when we're talking about who's going to potentially win the league, but. But but yeah, well I stuck my neck out yesterday. Few Orient fans didn't like that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, look, the, the the truth is there is that, that the, uh, the 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 uh, the fact that they've given in so many sort of goals very late on is um, is is what's affected them at the minute. But Fylde are a really good team. Uh, when they played Ebbsfleet, and I actually went up there to to watch that at Mill Farm, um, Ebbsfleet were incredible for thirty minutes until Fylde scored against the run of play. So. I'd be really interested to see what fleet do at this point almost there I mean they've obviously got Gary who's who's really really experienced but they've also got Ian Hendon as assistant who's an old Orient teammate of mine and someone that's a really highly rated coach he was unlucky at Orient because he he sort of got his chance there when they were um, under that that regime of the uh, the interesting Italian guy, he shouldn't have been anywhere near a football club. But I feel like I feel like Epps-Fleet are a team that you actually need to to watch out for. They'll they'll arrive in the playoff places at some point very soon if they continue the way they're going. Solio don't look like they're going anywhere whatsoever. Um, so it's going to be really hard to sort of to to, to get in there. But um, it's the, the heads to heads that are going to count most. I mean, Ebbsfleet without a doubt are, are knocking on the door. Um, more so than anyone else. Barrow, as much as they lost uh, their last game, I still think that their their form sort of suggests that that they're going the right way about playoff place as well. Uh Bromley, I mean, you can't discount those because they've also got four wins in their last five. And I know they've had some signings. Those signings have obviously fitted in and and, and gelled with the others really well. So um, who are we to honestly sit at this early stage of the season and predict who's going to end up in the playoffs? Um, what I do know is that I think this is going to be a, An even more um, competitive season For those playoff places than last year was, and That that
1: would have been hard to imagine Another Essex team, Dagenham and Redbridge uh, They drew four each against Bournemouth It was three all at half time And it was, uh, well, defending went out the window In that game, certainly
2: yeah, it must have done It must have done Yeah, it's the sort of game That you wish you were at It would have kept me Nice and busy But them Again, I've watched them A few times as well recently. And that Peter Taylor effect where, where he's got them Playing some really Attractive football And they're scoring a, a good amount of goals That's for sure And they don't know When they're beaten either uh, They've they've had quite a few Comebacks And i would had one At Hartlepool uh, There's another case Of them sort of Coming back into a game Late on But um, they were three 0 down, and, and a lot of teams would have just gone through the motions, especially after a really congested sort of Christmas period of games. Um, but yeah, they, they they didn't, and in some respects, they might even be gutted that they, they they didn't win it. But Boreham Woods are desperate for for a run of form, and they they just haven't had that of late. They haven't been able to replicate what they did last year, and. Um, You know, they've very nearly become a football league club if it wasn't for for Tranmere managing an unbelievable um, 90 minutes with with 10 men. But yeah, they'll, they'll probably feel quite upset that they've sort of thrown in three points themselves there.
1: Yeah, Luke Garrard said he was delighted, they were phenomenal for 38 minutes, he said, and then I said to my assistants, if we can just get to half-time without Dagenham scoring, we'll be fine. Anyway, as you said, <laughs> that went out the window in, in six mad minutes mm. there, and uh, yeah, as a manager, I must leave you tearing your hair out, I suppose.
2: I, I can't wait to watch the highlights, just to see sort of how, how the game did go, but um, it's interesting we managers. it, I mean, we, I know we're going to talk about all the shots, and Gary Waddock soon as well, and... Uh, how that's going from there but you don't become a bad manager overnight it's been really interesting having focused on the National League so much last year and this that, that, that teams and managers in particular can have such different varying fortunes I, I think those two teams being the been the best example probably of teams that were, were in the playoffs last year that
3: are sort of nowhere near at the minute
1: Rob, there was a thriller yesterday up at the Proact Stadium, wasn't there? It was Chesterfield against Ebbsfleet.
3: Oh, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, in amongst this crazy division, which had some outstanding games and results in it yesterday, was, was something ridiculous, actually quite ridiculous. So sort of caught my eye early on seeing that uh, at Chesterfield, that Ebbsfleet, who, who Jeff's just been talking about, they're on a good run of form under Gary Hill since he's been there. Uh, they've gone 3-0 up in the first half. And you're thinking, can it get any worse for Chesterfield this season? You know, um, Strong rumours of anything is fully confirmed. Yeah, it might be by the time the podcast comes out that it looks like Sheridan's uh, going to come in and come back there. But um, So Chesterfield launch a bit of a fight back late on. There's 65 minutes gone when it's still nil uh, 3 But uh, Denton, Fortune, get it back to 3-2. And then you've got the usual shenanigans going on where um, the king of time-wasting, Nathan Ashmore, the Ebb Street goalkeeper, gets booked for time-wasting in the time added on. And in something like the fifth minute of added time, Will Evans, the Chesterfield uh, centre-back, pulls them level. All sorts of shenanigans going on as well. But uh, at the other end, uh, Chesterfield goalkeeper gets, uh, gets sent off for a shove. And then, would you believe it, Michael Cheek, who's already scored in the game, has got a penalty to win it for Ebsfleet. I think it's something like 90 plus 9. And Will Evans has gone in goal and pulled off the save from Michael Cheek, and it ends 3 all. Jeff, you mentioned you couldn't wait to see the highlights of the dagenham and wood game. I cannot wait to see... Uh, the shenanigans at uh, the Pro Act Stadium yesterday. I wonder what's going to happen with Chesterfield because they're, uh, they're obviously under
1: new guys. Who, who is their manager? Who's taken over? So John Sher- John Sheridan's <laughs> going to be announced as a, as Chesterfield manager. He left Carlisle on Thursday, resigned there. There was a bit of my that there. He's set to be the highest paid manager across the National League, and not only that, League Two as well. He, so he, he, he usurps any manager being paid in League Two. So Chesterfield going all out for it to bring jo- John Sheridan in.
2: Well, I wonder if they'll bring many players. In as well, I mean the, the current squad uh, is, is is good, but it's not. I'd, I've not seen a good performance from Chesterfield personally. I know they've they've had some they've had some wins, and no doubt some of their draws would have been hard earned. I, I don't know if they're a team that, that can do a great deal better than than they're achieving at the
1: moment with what they've got. i was going to say, Rob, it's interesting the, the um since Martin Allen's gone out, a lot of the players who he said could leave have actually come back into the starting lineup and they've improved. Uh, you see, like Mark Antoine Fortune, who was frozen out. He he got one of the goals yesterday as well. And I think they brought Ben and Williams back in. There's a couple of others who've come back in, giving him a real boost.
3: Yeah, it has. I mean, one of the one of the trickiest jobs for Sheridan to do, and he's been around, you know, the level and the game for a long time, is to suss out who's who he's going to need in the trenches with him and who he isn't. And and I think another thing is the way he's going to play, because the most pivotal sorry, pivotal person in that scenario is Tom Denton, who scored again yesterday. I think we all know what kind of player Tom Denton is. He's very, very effective at it. He's a big, strong, tall target man. Um, and that's the big decision, really, for Sheridan coming in. Did he recognise that he's in a battle? Does he keep it direct? Does he just try and make sure that they outscore the opposition? Or does he try and get down? I mean, there's generally a feeling, isn't there, in football that... Uh, you know, when you're up against it, you're down the wrong end of the table. You need battlers rather than flair footballers, and uh, you know that's that's one of the issues that that uh, somebody who won't compromise his footballing values, Gary Waddock, is going to be looking at long and hard right now uh, with the situation Aldershot find themselves in. Let you know, let we've talked about Aldershot enough on the podcast. They didn't play yesterday, but let's link this in to the worst possible set of results for them yesterday because. Mm credit to all those teams in the bottom seven four of them won yesterday staggering we've mentioned Dover's win at Wrexham Habent and Waterlooville had a 2-0 win over in form Barrow as well nobody would have picked Maidenhead to go up and win 1-0 at uh, Gateshead although they're in slightly mixed form at the moment um and finally Maidstone going up to uh Hartlepool who are under new management and, 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 and getting a 2-1 win Jack Powell getting both goals neither of them from, from set pieces uh, which is uh, kind of painful. for both from open play staggering set of results at the bottom Jeff what do you what do you make of things down there there's uh, a big and a fancy club Mm. probably going to go down isn't there I mean you'd have to say probably one of all the shot of Chesterfield are going to go if not both
2: lads correct me if I'm wrong but I think this would be Chesterfield if John Sheridan wasn't able to turn it around it would be their third consecutive uh, relegation yeah so look new manager he's got months and months to, to obviously get it right but he's going to need to start getting it right quickly I can't believe that Aldershot haven't got a winning night that doesn't make sense to me because um, Gary Waddock is such a, a competent manager you know he's won the national league before and um, I, I can't understand what's what's going on there son, I really hope that Harry Wheeler was going to do well because I was a big fan of his at Billerity's an excellent coach, you know, really more than his, his approach, you know, I'm, I'm sort of baffled as to why it didn't work out there, um, but you're right I mean, and haven't seemed to be really good at home, uh, not not so good away, way mm. but they do seem to be very effective at home, they've had some thumping sort of uh, results uh, at, at, at their place and, and and yeah, you sort of look at that, I think those, are, those are look like they're on their way up you know, as a Dagnan uh Barnet are always gonna gonna you know I don't I don't see Barnet sort of getting getting brought down into the there's not really anyone that's that's sort of mid table that looks like they're they're sort of thinking. Um, so you kind of have to say that, that out of six clubs there, four of those look like that. I mean that's such an obvious statement. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to predict which two are gonna get out because there's so so much football to be played. But yeah, a few a few a few of those will be quite worried at this point, I'd say.
1: Do you think we can rule Dover out? Because Dover are on a pretty good run. You can't see them slipping back now, can you, under Andy Hess
2: No, because over the last 10 games, they've been incredibly consistent. They've had six wins in their last 10, and I, and I don't think that'll be because they're, uh, they've they been lucky in any way, shape or form. I should imagine that he's really instilled some real sort of hard-working performances. And uh, and again, a good attitude, because they score a lot of late goals by the looks of things too. So... Um, but no, I, I don't. I, I don't really see that. See that going um, the opposite direction anytime soon. Um, poor haven't necessarily been been great, um, but still, I mean, they're, they're still a good nine points above it. It's not that much, is it? I, you know, I'm sure that they they could, with a bad run of form, they can find themselves back in the melee. But uh, but at the minute, you kind of look you look down at, at, at the teams that
3: can't can't seem to find a win, and, and, and obviously that's that's where your focus goes I think four from seven I would discount Dover as well the team that I can't rule out and I mentioned them last week of dropping down into that are Halifax Um, they've got a game in hand but uh, they're just six points clear of it in 17th and a big tester for them yesterday you know they played at home to the bottom side Braintree uh, and they couldn't score they couldn't win it's their fourth draw in six games and I think they're not out of trouble yet but above that yeah I mean Dagenham, Barnet, Hartlepool I think they'll all have more than enough Uh, and I think Dover too so uh, probably those seven Halifax haven't Maidenhead, Aldershot, Chesterfield, Maidstone and Braintree and Jeff Braintree close to you uh, geographically nine points off it now played the 29 games as well which is more than the four teams above them is it looking a little bit out of touch for them now? A little bit ominous
2: Um, well I wouldn't like to say but I do know that they've got a incredible assistant uh, in Danny Searle who's someone that I've played with in the past he's been the head of West Ham's academy and I uh, know he's an incredible coach so whatever players they've got he'll be getting the very best out of, out of those players and um, you know they, they always look like they could threaten uh, to do slightly better than they have, but yeah I mean in their last three they've won they've lost the neutral they're going to need to start producing some wins on a regular basis just to get themselves out of there and again what, what I think usually would be the case is that you, you, you'd look at the, the bottom half of the National League table and you'd say well there's a lot of teams that are not doing particularly well but uh, as I say as, as so strange in this topsy turvy league is that there's a lot of teams in the bottom half of the league that are, that are actually doing really well, um, and uh, you know very much heading sort of to, to, to bigger and better things. So, um, so yeah, it doesn't you, you'd want to be one of at least ten teams that are struggling, but actually these brain-tree are one of six teams. Uh, that you'd say uh, uh, are not doing particularly well, and, and that that's not good numbers. It's not good odds.
1: Rob, no. I, was ju- I was just going to ask you on, on Aldershot because I know we spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Well, Aldershot's home form will probably keep them up." Now I I hadn't realised to us how the the results did actually. They have dropped now into the bottom four. I know you're more worried, kind of, than I am in a way about Aldershot.
3: Oh, her- her- yeah. I mean, like I said it was a horrendous set of results yesterday. They couldn't do anything about that. Just to come back to you and to Jeff's point earlier, I mean the. Look, let's not deny one thing. All the were not in great form before the current injury crisis started, but it is an injury crisis crisis of ridiculous proportions, Jeff, and and actually mm. it's called upon all of Waddock's experience to get a team out, to get a team out that that that, that 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 you know the players are in positions that they're reasonably comfortable with and uh, they are being competitive in games. They're very much playing for the manager. Um, whilst the results haven't gone there while well, they're not playing with a couple of weeks off they don't They don't play next week either because they're out of the FA Trophy they've got a chance to try and uh, step up the fitness levels to get three or four players back and then it's the beginning of uh, sort of 18 cup finals really for them I think that's the one big hope Luke their, their ability to pick up enough points um, at home a little bit like uh, haven't, they've got similar records, but they just can't get much going away from home. Um, I'd want someone like Waddock in charge for what's ahead, um, he's got promotions and relegations on his CV, so whilst you don't always succeed in a relegation fight, you do learn from it I'm sure. He'll be vital, his experience uh, going into these last 18 games, with too many young players, not enough players fit and not enough leaders. And those three combined make it a very difficult challenge.
1: I think, like you said, a good thing, though, Rob, is they'll have, had, they'll have had a couple of weeks off, won't they, in terms of getting chance for him to maybe get a couple of players in, chance for players who are running on empty to recover, and also get the injured players back.
3: Yeah, it should help. You know, the other concern will be, well, no game for two weeks. You know, how, uh, you know are they at the levels they need to be? And guess what, boys? Guess who that very next game is against. It's at home to Chesterfield. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> Rob, I know you wanted to have a look at Harrogate. We mentioned him there about, and um, Jeff mentioned him going the wrong way about the playoffs and um, that the farm's terrible at the minute.
4: Yeah, just I mean they're, they
3: they haven't won in five. They've lost four of those games. I just didn't see it coming. Um, you know they need to address that, don't they? Like if you look at Salford's, um, you know, four-game losing streak, they couldn't bounce back better than uh, than beating uh, Wrexham and Orient, but. Uh, Harrogate they just need to stem the flow at the minute I mean they're still just in the playoffs but uh, you know the likes eventually will eat them up in the next couple of weeks uh, if they don't uh, pull some form out soon
1: Chris uh, there is always going to be like this though for Harrogate wasn't it you know they had the the effect of of getting promoted and that bounce and then whenever they hit a sticky patch uh, there was always going to be those questions they have bounced back uh, a couple of times this season haven't they but now they are in a real struggle
0: they have bounced back, but um they are nose diving at the moment. And I just wonder whether the last sort of twelve to eighteen months is catching up with them. Um so much has happened to that club. It's been a real whirlwind, hasn't it? On the pitch, off the pitch. Um it's a great setup. We know the full time, so but the festive period has not been a good one for Harrogate, and and maybe they just need maybe just need that rest. Maybe they just need a you know those where the games stop coming as thick and fast to regroup and and let's go again because I think they can go again. The the quality they've got in that squad is. Uh,
1: is is really good as as we have seen. Jeff, thanks for joining us. not no, so changed, lads,
0: and
2: I'll see you again soon. I'm sure.
1: We're going to have a look now at the National League North. Hi,
3: I'm Tim Flowers, Sully O'More's football club, and you're listening to the National League podcast.
1: In the National League North, we'll start off with the uh, some news that broke last night. Sam Collins uh, was sacked, so the second manager to be sacked by York City this season, and York are on the way to looking for the third manager now. They are in a, in a lowly position, are in 15th, but they're only 8 points off the playoffs Chris, so you, you get the feeling that one, they needed to do it now and two, whoever they bring in, the fans, I know Jeff mentioned it earlier, when they've been in the Football League, fans can easily get on players' backs, it's, it's one of those now where I suppose, it's not a poison chalice as such, but when players come out and play at Booth and Crescent, they must be quite nervous playing there, I suppose it's a time now for whoever comes in as manager, for the, the York fans to really get behind the team and try and push them towards those playoffs
0: yeah luke i'm not going to mince my words on this one it's an absolute shambles i think what's going on at york and I, I really do feel for for those the fans that that you know that turn up every week that have been used to be playing at higher divisions now i have seen this happen at at, at stockport county and uh, other clubs and it, I can't believe that we're sat here again. It only seems like five minutes ago that we were sat here talking about who's gonna be the next manager to replace Martin Gray and before that who's gonna who's gonna be the next York City manager and I did see a tweet from Harry Grayson. Who uh, anyone in the north of England will know, Harry Grayson. You know, he's he's been on uh, on local regional news. I think he, you know, he's done a lot of other things. And he's he's just saying, you know, this this is an absolute shambles. It, the, York City cannot be run like York City is being run. I do feel for them. You know, the results weren't coming for Sam Collins, and interestingly, Sam Collins has been sacked after a defeat at Curzon Ashton, which Martin Gray also got sacked after. Um, Luke, I was actually looking at some of the odds before I um, before I came on online um, for the next manager. And Dave Penny's the favourite, despite a couple of hours, he, he ruled himself out of the running. He's obviously caretaker manager at the moment. I'm just going to throw a few names in: Paul Cox, Neil Redfern, six to one; Matt Jansen, eight to one; Kevin Davis, eight to one; Martin Allen, ten to one; Ronnie Moore, ten to one; Mark Bauer, ten to one. Now look, I out of all them names, I think you know. I think Mark Bauer is an excellent manager, but why would he want to leave what he's doing at Bradford Park Avenue at the moment? Yeah. The name that stands out for me. It'll be interesting to see who you guys take on that. Although it is ten to one, I think they need someone like Ronnie Moore.
1: Yeah, I think I think York need York City do need a big name just to get the fans fans stirring again and get them. Getting really out there, you know, and then they'll behind behind the manager from the first whistle, and that you gain that momentum, don't you? Then you need someone like that, someone who either has won this division or an experienced name, like you say, like Ronnie Moore.
0: Well, someone who won't put up with any nonsense either, and I think perhaps um, I don't know how long Ronnie Moore would would last because I'm not sure how long he would be able to sit still and sit on his hands, and how he would work with the um, the people above him at the, at the club but he'd certainly shake it up and I think he's got really good contacts in the game he hasn't been out of the game for that long he's got really good contacts in the game he bring some really good players in and I think that's possibly what York City need
1: what, One thing as well about um, York City it's not like a Newcastle situation where they're not really spending any money they, they do pay out good wages and they do pay fees for players so it's not like the, there's, a, there's nothing in the purse strings there and I think that's even what makes it even more bizarre really
0: exactly I mean what's going on Luke it's really hard to put your finger on it isn't it this, but some drastically wrong there I
3: think they need to get the right appointment um, from the point of view look look. realistically it's going to be another season Bar, barring a massive turnaround they're not going to have the possibility to go up they need to obviously make sure they don't slip slip too far down but they need to get a the right appointment for not just the short but the medium term. They're going through managers like confetti. Um, I, 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 from my sort of knowledge, it's probably only Southport that have had more managers in the last five years, isn't? There? I mean, it's just crazy. And and how can anything be bedded in? How can anything be put into a sustainable kind of pattern or you know uh, project? It, it, it's just ridiculous. So they don't need. It's not like they need. Someone to come in and stave off relegation, is it? They need to get this next appointment right, even if they do just have uh, is it Dave Penny in charge, uh, you know, on a caretaker basis for the next few games.
0: Rob, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. And there's almost when when teams drop into the National League North, this you know the second tier or the sixth tier, whatever, you, whatever, however you want to call it. There is a period of acceptance that goes on. I know it sounds ridiculous, it's like a marriage breakup or something. There's a period of acceptance where you need to know where you are and you need to work out, you need to put a team together, you need to put everything together behind the scenes to be a club that is going to get out of that division. You're not a National League team anymore, you're not a League Two team anymore, and you need to cut your cloth and you need to work within those parameters accordingly. And maybe that's what York haven't got right there. Maybe York are still playing in the National League in their heads or the the League 2 because they need to work out how they are going to get out of this division. And that might mean three, four, possibly five seasons while they get everything right to move up and then begin to be a force again.
1: Yeah, Stockport County is a good example of that. But in terms of, like you say, of a new manager, you've got to get somebody in who, like you say, gets get the fans excited and maybe have a push for the playoffs. And if they don't make it, they know they're in a good place to maybe challenge next season then. <coughs> Moving on, it. I mean, in terms of the the bottom, of that was a, a brilliant result for Curzon, wasn't it, Chris? I, it was interesting to read the ratings in the non-league paper. I don't know whoever did the report yesterday. They didn't seem to enjoy it because nobody seemed to get rated higher than a, a seven yesterday. There was a lot <laughs> of fours and threes in there. <laughs> (laughs) but Curzon did the job and it was a vital three points for them considering how results around them went
0: yeah Mark Bradshaw will not care a jot what the ratings are in the paper because they got the three points and that's a, a couple of good wins and they really did need it because they were in free fall and there seems to be so much more going on off the pitch than on the pitch at Kers and Aston at the minute. There's players going in and out like like nobody's business. They signed Sean Miller, who's been a great player the last couple of seasons at Alteringham at Colne. We've seen him at Colne. He's a handful. They've just brought Craig Linfield in, who's fantastic at FC United. He's got league experience. So there's some good signings coming in, but they're also turning players around. And you've got to look at uh, Ollie Crankshaw, he's just been signed for Wigan Athletic as well um, so that's a real you know, feather in the cap of um, you know John Flanagan before and um, all the people at, at Curzon Ashton who have helped develop him and, and at Lower leagues, we saw him playing in the Evo Stick um, Premier last season as well didn't we Luke Joe Guest, a fantastic player, he's moving to Melbourne to, and not the one in Derbyshire the one in Australia to, to sort of further his career so there's so much going on there was a break in you know, over Christmas, they were doing some fantastic things for for homeless people over Christmas. They had all loads of food set up and they were gonna they were gonna feed everyone. Um, terribly, they had a break in, all the food got nicked, and they couldn't fulfil that commitment that they'd made. So there's so much stuff that's been going on at Curzon Ashton. So to get two wins on on the bounce will be uh, really pleasing for him because they they want to stay that in the National League North.
1: Hereford picked up a good a good draw against a top of the table Charlie though, and with Darlington winning as well, it's, it's quite tight down there at the bottom. Now we we mentioned it last week. I mean, even though Darlington are in. Thirteenth, they they could still be looking. Their fans are still worried on their phone that they could go down.
0: Yeah, that that'll feel like a win for Hereford yesterday. It was a an equaliser came in the sixth minute of injury time by uh, Josh Gowling, and what probably turned that game was uh, Lewis Holman got sent off uh, for an off the ball incident eight minutes earlier for Chorley. I haven't seen an interview with Jamie Vermiglio, but I'm sure that he. Uh, he maybe won't be happy with his player there because you've got to look at that and think well that let Hereford back in but Hereford um, you know, seem to have been um, sorting things out in, in recent weeks I think we spoke a lot about them last week so I won't go into too much detail about them but they seem to be the team uh, one of the teams on the move down there
1: are worried about Geisley, Chris? I mean, a draw specialist, are not really pulling away from that relegation zone despite having a few games in hand. They drew 1 1 with Leamington on Saturday.
0: I'm not worried about Geisley, but I think Geisley might be worried about Geisley. Um, Geisley have got so much quality in that squad, but yeah, they, they do draw way too many games. And if you look at the balance of, of goals for and against, they don't score many goals. And, um, if you're not scoring many goals you 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 could be in trouble. I think that I think they're too far away from the mix already at this time of the season. They've got games in hand, and I think they've got enough in that squad to start turning some of those draws into wins.
1: The irony of that result was is both guys and Leamington have the most draws in the league, so no surprise that it was a draw <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the the top of the league, Charlie's still in the box seat, yeah. Three points clear of Bradford with a game in hand, uh, so they will feel like it was two points drop yesterday. But they'll have been buoyed by Bradford Park Avenue losing in the big game of the day at Edgeley Park, second against third. Chris,
0: Uh Luke, just tell me to stop talking about this whenever you want me to, because yesterday was the best I've seen Stockport County play in the last few seasons they were rampant they were absolutely fantastic and on that on that showing well, County fans are getting very excited at the moment because they've, uh, they've won the last four games they haven't conceded a single goal in the last four games if you look at the last eight games I think they've won seven I think they've drawn one the scoring goals for fun I think they've scored something like 25 goals and conceded three goals they were on fire Matty Warburton was inspired yesterday every single player was brilliant there was an embarrassing moment unfortunately for the uh, uh, keeper on debut ben atkinson he, he rolled the ball in front of him he was about to um, he was about to clear it frank mulhern he didn't realize was behind him he just popped up behind him nicked the ball off his toes and rolled it into an empty net for the third goal it was a bit cheap. it was one of those cheeky ones that you might see on the uh, on a blunders blunders video but County were outstanding yesterday. Now Bradford Park Avenue were on a, a bad day, I think that's fair to say, but they were destroyed yesterday by Stockport County and County have just got to keep rolling the crest of this wave uh, at the moment because they the best I've seen them in a few seasons at the moment, definitely.
1: Anything else you want to pick out, Chris, from the, from the results yesterday? Any key results that took your fancy?
0: Uh, I just wanted to pick out Telford United they've won 4 out of 4 as well they beat um, promotion contenders Spennymoor yesterday 2-1, Brendan Daniels getting on the score sheet I think that's an excellent signing for Telford United Brendan Daniels, he's a uh, dead ball specialist, he was fantastic at Alfreton. they signed him from Port Vale, it hasn't really worked out for him at Port Vale but at this level he is some player and Telford are sneaking up unnoticed. They're fourth, are only one point behind the aforementioned Stockport County, and they're looking really good as well.
1: You can't even pick the playoffs, really, Chris, can you? Because you look, you can go as up as thirteenth um, for relegation. You can go down as far as eleventh for the playoffs. You could throw a blanket over and There's only three points separating them
0: yeah it's really 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 tight, and it's turning into i think it was about three seasons ago it was this tight in the national league north and and it's the same again there's some fantastic football being played don't real blithe out of it either they're in they're in eighth position, and you you asked me if there was anything else I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention that Robbie Dale scored his two hundredth goal yesterday. Uh, for Blythe Spartans. Scoring 200 goals at any level for any club is some achievement and uh, congratulations to him.
1: Great stalwart for Blythe Spartans. So we're going to look at the the National League South. Hi my name's Steve Claridge you're listening to the NL full time podcast. Rob took a very interesting trip down to Dulwich yesterday, Dulwich Hamlet for their game against Bath City and, and here are his thoughts on that. Well,
4: I've got a rare Saturday without covering all the football club, so I'm, I'm taking the opportunity, despite the fact it's uh, early January, and to come and visit Champion Hill, home of Dulwich Hamlet. I'm really, really intrigued um, just to see what uh, all the buzz is about really here. Done a little bit of homework Dulwich Hamlet finished in the Isthmian League playoffs for the last four seasons unsuccessful on the first three but finally making it up this season and of course just a month or two before that they found out they were being kicked out of their ground champion hill and uh, a very sensitive subject it's been and uh, obviously we've covered it a couple of times on the uh, on the podcast but uh, all is well they've returned on boxing day to champion hill a capacity 3000 crowd another one of 2900 just a few days later they'll be taken on uh, bath city now Dulwich are just a few places and eight points i think clear of uh, the relegation positions as things stand so they've sort of uh, made a solid start if you like to life uh, at the higher level in the national league south but today they'll be taking on bath city who are firmly ensconced in uh, in the playoff position and have been for a little while so a good opportunity for me to to let take a look at bath as well and uh, we'll try and talk to uh, one or two of the more hardy Dulwich Hamnet fans and get a little bit more on the uh, story and obviously uh, see how the game itself pans out. So I'm in the bar here at Champion Hill and there's a a good uh, turnout of Bath City fans as well. I'm with Ashley Davis, who's a bit of a stalwart Bath City fan. Is this your first visit here, Ashley? Yes, never been here before. And it feels quite different, doesn't it, to a lot of the places you go to? Yes, there's a big crowd
5: in, in the bar and it's very busy. It's good to see it.
4: And uh, let's talk about Bath City's season so far. You must be very, very pleased, especially with the sort of managerial movements over the last season or so. so you seem to really settled in, and you're and you're right in the uh, in the playoff race. Just
5: coming to the ball at the right time. It's the early January now, and we've won three games in a row. Uh, looking forward to hopefully another one today.
4: And uh, what do you make of Dulwich Hamlet? I mean, they should hold their own at this level, haven't they? They've done okay and coming back to champion hill is a real fillet for them isn't it
5: yeah it's great to see them back at their home ground it's great to see them back here and their fans seem to be a very friendly bunch
4: they certainly are and, and, and with all respect to Tootin and Mitchum who uh, played host to them for a little while I bet you're really pleased that uh, they're back and you've got the opportunity to come to champion hill for the first time
1: clubs should be at their own
5: ground full stop
4: absolutely um, what do you think to the level of support here I mean it's staggering isn't it crowds on boxing day of 3,000 and just under that a few days later
5: it's incredible. It's great to see a non-league team pulling in this level of support with Chelsea and Fulham not far away, Charlton as well. It's great to see it.
4: Brilliant, Ashley. You've been superb. We'll uh, stick this out on Twitter in the next couple of days. Have a listen to the NL full-time podcast. Great. The best. Now, I'm joined by by someone I'm told is a real character he has been around a long time and he lives and breathes this place. He's selling the draw tickets at the moment. Mishy Moraf, good afternoon to you, uh, Mishy. You must be pleased as bloody punch that they're back here.
5: Uh, it's just great to be back home. I remember the old ground, the previous championship. Hill, so I've been coming down here for 45 years. But the new ground, it didn't feel like home until it was taken away. Yes. And so that's the difference between you don't miss something until it's gone.
4: And such a story, isn't it? I mean, four consecutive playoff seasons, falling at the penultimate or the final hurdle each time, and then you finally do it and your ground's taken away.
5: The fact we won our loss of players previously doesn't really come into it for me. I'm not a fan of the playoffs, so I accept it's part of the modern game, but the fact we came second in the playoffs meant we deserved to win, so it's fated. And the fact that we were homeless actually worked out better because we could squeeze more into Tooting's Ground than we could have done here. But what made it so special, after the game, everyone headed back from Tooting to East Dulwich, yeah. and we was on the streets of East Dulwich, the traffic was blocked, people were dancing in the roundabout, a goose screen, but all the players were there as well. Which has proved the bonds between the club and the players. Everybody returned to the spiritual home of East Dulwich, and but we didn't think we'd be back here by Christmas, but we were.
4: I don't. Are you one for predictions? Do you have a gut feeling? Do you think it's uh, going to be a good day? Obviously, tough opponents, Bath City.
5: Um, you can't tell with us. Um, I mean, down there, we completely outclassed them in the first half. Uh, second half, they were a bit wiser. We gifted them a couple of goals but that's the, that's the beast of the, of the National League every game's a tough game whether you're at the top or the bottom you know. but in the games we've lost we haven't actually got stuffed or looked out class so we're getting there we've got a lot of injuries people say we should do this we should do that I'm an old-school pessimist. That's what I've always described myself. I'm proud we went up. I'm glad to be at this level. I think we're good enough to be. So I think we'll stay up. And that's what it's about for me. Anything else is a bonus.
4: Yeah, I mean, position-wise, you're close to the bottom. But it's an eight-point cushion at the moment. And given that includes your first half of a season at this level, it's uh, it's pretty steady, really, isn't it? I mean, you, you weren't expecting to come and tear this league up, were you?
5: Uh, a few people might have said us and Wicky. But in terms of resources, they're miles ahead of us. We're a club that survives on its own. We haven't got any sugar daddies. We've got the players. We've got the excellent manager in Gavin. He's slowly building a team. It's an earning level for us. We should, by rights, I suppose, be mid-table. If we're clear by staying up by March, we can enjoy the rest of the season. I'll be happy with that, I'm sure. The manager will want more, but managers always do.
4: And playing at this level and being back at Champion Hill, the whole season's got to feel like a party anyway, hasn't
5: it? To an extent, but to be honest, if you remember 10 years ago, I've been coming down here 45 years. 10 years ago, our average home crowd in the league was 180. That was Gavin's first season. Now, you see the crowds we're getting at Champion Hill today. I know we're on the bump coming back, but I pinch myself every game. I'm living the dream. People say some of our fans... They don't always watch the game. They're drinking their craft beers, mm. their hipster students. It's just lazy clichés. Most clubs would love our crowds. Mm. If we had the traditional uh, no, non-league crowds, agree, which don't. is made up of, let's be honest, sad middle-aged men like me, <laughs> <laughs> um, where would we be? Would we be stuck in the Eastman League Division 1 South? We've progressed and we've got the crowds. We're breaking the mould for non-league football. I'm enjoying it. I'm yeah. proud of it.
4: Yeah, brilliant. It's great to meet you, Mishy. And uh, listen, the boys on the podcast team will probably be cracking a joke that I'll see you again next season because I'm involved with all the shot week in, week out, and they could be coming down as well. Enjoy your season.
1: Okay, thank you. That was a really interesting chat, with, especially with the Dulwich fan, Mishy Robbie. He seems like a bit of a character, doesn't he?
3: He, he is a character, he's, uh, as he said himself, he's been going for 45 years and uh, very, very passionate, very articulate too, strong on his opinions, exactly the right kind of guy to chat to uh, yesterday. Anyway, here's uh, here's my little wrap-up after it all finished.
4: Well, that was a fascinating afternoon at Champion Hill. It's ended with a 2-0 victory for the Visitor's Bath. Very, very little in it for 70 odd minutes. Uh, the three uh, big Dulwich Hamlets and half keeping Bath at bay, and Bath's off tra- offside trap working superbly well against the pace of uh, the Hamlet uh, wing backs. And uh, it looked like it was going to be on as even. Looked like it was going to be a stalemate, but a uh, couple of late goals won it for Bath. Tom White pouncing on a loose ball on the edge of the area and drilling home a, a shot uh, from 16 yards and then a very unfortunate, uh, well I don't know if it was an own goal or whether Ross Stern got the final touch but uh, the Dulwich Hamlet skipper looked to cushion a header back to his goalkeeper who'd come a little further to the edge of his area than he'd realised and the header was a little bit too powerful, It's he heading towards the line and it uh, was touched home on the line I think by Ross Stern. So, a solid 2 0 away victory for Bath on their first visit to uh, Champion Hill. Good afternoon's work for them. That leaves them very solidly in the uh, playoff positions in the National League South. whilst Dulwich Hamlet, well, they'll be looking over their shoulders a little bit, but uh, I think, do you know what? I think they'll have enough and uh, I think
1: they'll be okay this season. And it did sound like you just had a, a fantastic day down there.
3: Yeah, I did really enjoy the experience. It, it came up very quickly on my radar once I knew that i wouldn't be uh involved with an the shot game this weekend and uh just wanted to see what it was all about uh, the only thing i still don't know if i've really unearthed just how they got the crowds to grow quite to that size uh and it just goes to show it's not so much on this occasion people like a winning side is it it's um you know because as they've come back to champion hill they're at the wrong end of the table certainly lower mid table and uh and, and it's not that I think it's the fairy tale I think it's the story I think it's the fact they finally got there they lost the ground and, and as Michy said in that little chat you don't know what you've got till you lose it
1: Yeah it was also interesting that he said that and Mitchum's ground was it, it was. it was good that they were there for the playoff final because it had a bigger capacity as well than Champion Hill
3: Yeah it kind of worked out okay for them didn't it and uh, I tell you what I have not seen Regardless of your take, and, and Mishy covered it in terms of the uh, the cliches that are out there. Regardless of your take on uh, the, the you know the, the the makeup, if you like, of the of the crowd of the three thousand that are there watching those games, I have never seen so much alcohol, so much beer consumed around the perimeter of a football match throughout the the, the queues for the beer uh, huts, and that never died down. And. Uh, it was, do you know, it was more like a rugby crowd at a football game. That's how it felt to
4: me.
1: Yeah, I know. I know you did mention that in in terms of it. Just seems a really good atmosphere and a really good place. If you if you want to get your, to get your kids into into non league football or football in general, it sounds like the kind of place you'd want to take them really because it's a gen, a gentle atmosphere, but a good one.
3: It was a gentle atmosphere, and, I, and there's no doubt that you know around the ground there were huge pockets of people that were that, that were socializing and were there chatting with their mates probably more than they were concentrating on the football but if you're Dulwich Hamlet do you care you know you've got a good community environment for people to go and meet a place that they want to be and you're absolutely right a lot of families there I saw a lot of you know mum, dad and two kids there in the in, in, in the stand it's a great uh, main stand with huge bar behind it and uh that all said um you know the room to put your beer down or put your program down was at a bit of a premium it was absolutely packed and that crowd 3104 so i'm guessing somewhere along the line the uh, capacity's been reviewed it was set at 3000 they obviously had uh, considerably more in yesterday and who knows they might go on to set more records um over the coming weeks and months particularly uh you know if it does come right down to the wire for them in terms of uh, the battle against relegation
1: and I have an apology to make because after hearing this, the, the podcast last week Peter Gearing tweeted me saying the shirt is pink and blue Luke pink and blue I called it pink and purple so there we go <laughs> I've yeah, been told pink and blue told, it is
3: most definitely there's no doubts about that if you work your way around the ground as I did one of the things I love about uh, about non-league football you literally can uh, circle the whole ground as I did that throughout the course of the afternoon no doubt pink and blue everywhere lots and lots of pink and blue scarves if you'd have been there yourself Luke unless you're blind which we'd forgive you for uh, you wouldn't be making that mistake again
1: no I said it's a bit like, it's a bit like the dress isn't it you know is it green and gold blue and black so but I've been suitably told anyway
3: and I've been suitably told about the, uh, the, the the food that accompanies the jerk chicken I had yesterday. It was most definitely rice and peas and not rice and beans.
1: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. There was a few ang- angry people uh, <laughs> tweeting you yesterday, <laughs> weren't there?
3: <laughs> yeah, there was, but uh, all in good jest, I'm sure.
1: Looking at other results in the National League South, we're going to head to the bottom because you said Dulwich aren't really in danger. There's, there's probably uh, four out of the five teams that are down there that are in, are in danger at the minute and uh, one of them is Gloucester City they parted company with Chris Todd uh, during the week after a pretty inauspicious Christmas period the They beat Western Supermare on Boxing Day but then they lost at Torquay and then lost at home to Western Supermare and he said after the Western Supermare game that I have a plan in place and things will start to happen over the next few days. Unfortunately part of that plan from the Gloucester board was to uh, get rid of Chris Todd and they lost 2-0 at East Thurrock on Saturday, one of their direct rivals. And Gloucester are now second bottom. Hungerford, they got a really good win over Concord, a rather surprising win as well. Possibly one of the results of the day to go to go out of the relegation zone.
3: Yeah, they did. And uh, you know, some other fascinating results down there as well. Welling five, Truro City three. Um Truro picked up some compliments, didn't they, in uh, in uh, Tom's wrap-up from Torquay the other week and and, and from Gary Johnson too. They're playing pretty well at times they're scoring a lot of goals but they're conceding that uh, way too many 51 goals conceded this season uh it's almost uh like the keg kevin keegan style isn't it you know we'll try and score more than you and uh, that's a dangerous one but certainly it'll be an enjoyable roller coaster ride for for the fans of that and then you get above them sort of sixth bottom dulwich hamlet they've played 25 which is two more than Truro, uh and 26 points so uh you know, they, they might just have enough. I felt that yesterday, um, and then you know, get above that. Look at the two teams above them. Wow, Hampton and Richmond Borough and Hemel Hempstead Town. You don't expect to see uh, either of them down in fifteenth and sixteenth place.
1: No, and we mentioned about it being quite tight in the uh, National League South playoffs a couple of weeks ago. Well, there is a slight gap opening up now. Now, Billy Ricky got a win against Western Superman Saturday. They went on to forty-one points. And that opens up a four-point gap now down to 10th place, Oxford City, who were in the playoffs a couple of weeks ago. But there is that cushion now, isn't there?
3: Yeah, there is a little bit of a cushion there. Interesting in that game, Adam Coombs scoring two again yet. So, Tom, don't give up on your prediction for him to be the top scorer. Of course, now that Lafayette's gone and Jake Robinson's gone, he's he's playing regularly for Billericay and uh, scored a couple of goals yesterday. As did Kieran Cadigan, who I, I, I infer from that has gone on loan to Ricky from Sutton. I didn't realise that. I must admit, I didn't notice him in the squad there uh, when they played Aldershot a couple of weeks ago. Flipping back to the other end, well, uh, whilst we're recording this podcast, Woken will be getting ready to take on Watford in the FA Cup. Good luck to them. I'm sure the result will be known by the time the podcast comes out. But while they were away, Torquay took full advantage, Luke. Uh, another four-goal win for them against Slough, who don't bow down for anybody, Uh, Four second half goals there for Torquay. So a bit of patience early on. Uh, Another 2,500 plus crowd for them. And they pull five points clear. I want to ask you a question now, Luke, because you do most of the asking. (laughs) Torquay, five points clear, Woking, three games in hand. Which one do you want to be?
1: I think just because of the full-time element, I think Torquay... Uh, on this occasion are in pole position Woking will give it a really good go but whether the games will catch up with them it even depends on how much they put into the game against Watford today how it affects them in the next few league games so I think Tarkey the full time aspect the manager I think uh, they've got the advantage at the minute
3: and also the fact you know in, in my opinion it's so easy to look at it, isn't it? And you think Woking—they've got three games in hand. If they win two of them, that'll put them a point ahead. But it's if, isn't it? And and their games are becoming thick and fast, back to back. Um, you know, they could equally—you uh, know—they could equally uh, win one, draw one, lose one. Then it's only four points, isn't it? You know, um, both sides have got uh, good records. They've only lost three games all season. Uh, Torquay, both scoring freely as well. But Torquay. A little bit meaner defensively, just 19 goals conceded in 25 games. And uh, yeah, it's around about the tipping point, isn't it? Five points, three games in hand. Uh, I think if it was six, everyone would say I'd rather have the six. Five's kind of debatable, but I'll go with you. And I think uh, Torquay in pole position to uh, shade the National League South.
1: And it's back, our first look at a Step 3 club in 2019 and we're looking at Basford United and they have had a dramatic rise over the last few years. They were first formed in 1900, would you believe, at the Old Pear Tree Inn and they initially played in the Knotts Combination League. They won the League Cup in 1903-04 before switching to the Knots Alliance in 1904 for the next 80 odd years, they were knocking around the Notts Alliance League, but they did win the Notts Senior Cup in 1987 and 1988, beating Hucknall Town in the final. They withdrew from the Notts Senior League during the 2005-06 season, however they did return back the following season. The finishing runners-up in 2010-11, and 11, Baysford then switched to the South Division of the Central Midlands League. And that is when Chairman Chris Munro got involved. They won the division at the first attempt, earning promotion to the East Midlands Counties League. And then, after a second successive title in 2012 13, they were promoted to the Premier Division of the Northern Counties East League, where they finished fifth. They were then transferred to the Premier Division of the New Midland League for the 2014 15 season and won the inaugural league title, earning promotion to Division 1 South of the Northern Premier League, or the Evo stick as we know it now. As well as winning the Not Senior Cup for a third time, A fourth place finish in 2015-16 saw them qualify for the promotion playoffs, however they did lose to Colville Town in the semi-finals. Last season though Sodom win the Division 1 South title at an absolute canter, they lost one game all season and that earned them promotion to the Premier Division where they are playing this season. Before yesterday's game against Hyde United they were in 5th position in the last playoff place. However, it didn't quite go to plan for them. They were 5-0 down at half-time and eventually ended up losing by eight goals to three. Only their third home defeat of the season. And after the game, I caught up with the chairman, Chris Munro, to have a quick chat about the game and the plans for Baseford going forward. I'm here with uh, the Baseford United chairman, Chris Munro. We won't dwell on the result too much, Chris. You lost 8-3 at home to Hyde, but it was... Um, a bit of a freak result wasn't it in the end I didn't think it was a freak result I think uh, we've been
6: totally outplayed today Um, but you know we we will live and learn and we will dust off and put it behind us and try and come back with a better performance next week against South Shields
1: so yeah it doesn't get any easier does it uh, South Shields but in terms of your progress as a club it's this kind of last month's a little bump in the road compared to what you've been doing. It's just been progress on and on and on, into it?
6: Yeah, 100%.
1: You know, you, you're always going to get bad patches here and there and it's how you
6: respond to them, but yeah, the over, overriding um, objective is there and, you know, we do feel that we're, we're on the right road to it.
1: Just, just tell us about the progress of the club I mean, you used to play for the club as well didn't you Chris I think and then you became chairman and you've bought all the land round here and the progress has been unbelievable over the last three or four years, just give us a bit more background on that
6: yeah well obviously the club um, Yes, firstly I did play for the club a long long time ago, I managed the club and then progressed to chairman and then owner uh, so yeah it's been good but yeah we've had, um, for those I don't know we've been promoted five times in seven years uh, and, and our ground used to be a park uh, without any surrounds, without any floodlights so it's made a, made a big change to be honest but yeah we've, we've we've got a plan and we've
1: taken it steady I mean, So for this season is, is it just a case of consolidating or do you want to go up again and, and maybe go into the National League North next year? Well I think this was, for me
6: personally I always said that um, you know and this is our first first time at this level and uh, I did think it was a consolidation to be honest, we set a top 10 objective um, and I think you know results today show like that that you know, you can't, uh, you can't turn up performances like that if you're thinking of doing anything higher. So, yeah, consolidation would be a good result for us this year. Uh, and then, obviously, looking to push on next year.
1: Is the idea, as well, to get the crowds up? It creeps up slowly. You're on the outskirts of Nottingham. Is, is the idea to get people from maybe Forest County when they're not at home to come down and, and watch you?
6: Yeah, well, they, uh, the crowds, to be honest, I mean, our average this year, we are about 290. It's a bit lower today. I think it was about 240 in today. So... 290 but you know you've got to keep in perspective we were 25 five years ago Yeah, yeah. so um, there's more work to be done but yeah we're, we're building up nicely
1: what, what is the plans for the club obviously I presume to get more stands in around the ground and progressing in around the area as well as, well as progress on the pitch
6: yeah 100% you know, we've got some more infrastructure work we've got in the pipeline uh, which is some new stands so really that's it so that's the big challenge for us is the infrastructure um, obviously we've got discussions on the, on, the, on the playing staff and so forth for, for next year not, not one about this year so yeah we'll, we'll add it all together and we'll just make a concerted effort at it in terms of on the pitch is it be, Would it be too ambitious To say you want to be Maybe a football league club Going for We've got a, an 8 year objective To get in the football league We've got a 5 year objective To get in the, um, the National league Senior division um, And obviously We're just one step Off the national conference north So we are well ahead Of schedule And that's why I'm saying You know Sometimes you just have to Consolidate yep. Uh, and then evaluate, and then move on. And I think that's about where we are, to be honest.
1: Sensible approach, isn't it? You know, just maybe take a step back at where you are and think, what we can't keep going up every time, can you? I suppose.
6: No, I mean, you know, I mean, this today demonstrated by high. They've they've destroyed us because at this level, there's some fantastic teams, and I think most of the teams, I think every team will give you a game. So just shows you that you've got to be on it every every, every game and if you don't you get seriously punished so, so this is our challenge you see because rising up the leagues this is all new to us and times when maybe in the previous we could have played bad and lost you play bad at this level you get slaughtered so we'll
1: adapt to it and as I say you know we're, we're, we're very excited about the future. Excellent Chris well best of luck uh, going forward and uh, thank you for joining us. And that was the United chairman Chris Monroe With an honest assessment of the game Really good performance from Hyde in the first half As I say 5-0 up at half time And went on to win the game by 8 goals to 3 And also his plans for the future Very ambitious plans down there at Basford. Excellent, that is all for this week Thank you for listening to the NL Full Time Podcast Well Rob, thanks for joining us this week Yeah, pleasure as always Nice one Chris, I'll let you get off Cheers guys Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time And on Facebook as well, NL Full Time And you can also email us if you wish as well NL Full Time at gmail.com And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify And also on the podcast app And until then, we shall be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. Until then, happy football watching and we'll see you all very soon.